Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Talik. Today I have guests. My bro, would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Let them know who you are. What's up, guys? It's Mikey B from season one of Bobby, I Love You Purr. So a little bit about me is I am a passionate mental health advocate. I have my master's degree in psychology, actually. Hey, that's what's up, man. So we got a master's degree here. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so um, my first question, let's get into it. I ask all my guests that come on this podcast. I even start selling t-shirts with this question on the shirt. Um, my first question to you is, how is your mental health? My mental health is, it's doing very well overall. I mean, we all have our moments. I would say that after the show, I would. I have noticed that baseline anxiety is a little bit higher than it was before the show, and I do not think it has anything to do with events that occurred on the show or anything I'm necessarily upset about. I do think that it's just anticipation and it being something new to me. I am familiar with production, but I am not familiar with being the one in front of the camera. Oh, wow. So... How would you say that your mental health was before and after reality TV? Like, how was that? So before reality TV, I would say, so I was at my lowest at the age of 19. um, And I'm 26 now. So we're backing up a little bit. When I was 17, I was prescribed Oxycontin, actually. And after taking my first pill, I was like, oh my God, I don't feel depressed. I don't feel anxious. So I connected with a friend who I knew was prescribed 10 milligram Percocets for chronic back pain. And she started to sell them to me for only a dollar a piece. So to me, I was like, this is literally candy at that point. So my senior year of high school, my senior year of high school, I popped perks occasionally. I then went away to college for about half of my freshman year, didn't touch perks at all, really just drank. And then one of my fraternity brothers introduced me to blues, which are 30 milligram Oxycontins. Um, At that time in my life, that was the answer to all of my problems. I was still very much in the closet. And just to let you know, going on this TV show was my first time ever publicly coming out as a bisexual male. So I do think that's another element that played into my anxiety while I was there. Yeah. But fast forwarding, when I was 19, when I was 19, I was sitting there writing a college paper. I already had the highest GPA in my fraternity while also being the most severely addicted to drugs. So it started to click in my mind, like, this is going to take my potential away from me. There's something I need to do about it. So... For a few days, I tried detoxing. I was using Suboxone. And once I ran out of Suboxone, that assignment was due the next day. I sat there to write it, and I could not get my mind off of using 
until I finally found somebody to give me a five milligram oxy. I took it immediately wrote my paper and then immediately after that called a therapist I knew gave him my insurance and said I need to go to rehab find me a 30-day facility find me something where I can go and get clean so I went away for 30 days in it was the end of January into the end of February of 2015 and then they preached a 12-step model, and I was actually told, if you do not follow all 12 steps to a T, you will relapse and die. And to me, I'm like, that is so cookie cutter. Like, addiction is a disease, and even though disease usually, a disease usually has either a very specific treatment or a very specific cure. Addiction is a disease of the mind. There are many ways people can approach it in order to be successful in recovery. So while I was in rehab, I had my family send me a book called Rational Recovery. And they also Mm -hmm. sent me some literature on smart recovery, which is all self-efficacy based. It is not a community model that requires you to go to meetings and talk to other addicts. And if I'm being honest, when I was at AA and NA meetings, being in rooms, talking to other addicts about drugs, it was kind of triggering for me. It's like, oh, that sounds fun. Like it uh-huh. was like in some ways it was counterproductive because I was so early and so insecure in my recovery. Yeah. But in um, so April 30th of 2015, I just submitted an application to NYU a few weeks ago, a few weeks before that so maybe sometime beginning to mid-April I submitted my application didn't hear back felt like okay first off I was a college dropout I was unemployed and I was living with my parents I had no sense of self at that time and no sense of self-worth more importantly so on April 30th of 2015 I actually went out and use drugs with the intention of overdosing. And it was going to be my last hurrah, my big bang, my goodbye. And I remember being in my room, maybe around 4 a.m. on May 1st, and mixing up a concoction that included oxys, cocaine, heroin, and I don't even know what else and shooting it up and the last thing I remember is thinking what the fuck did I just do it was this intense feeling of regret before everything went black it's like I felt the soul leaving my body and when I woke up I woke up with a needle still stuck in my arm and something just came over me and I said I'm here for a reason. I am never doing that again. I am never touching an opiate again. I don't give a fuck if I have surgery unless I am in a state where I have chronic severe pain where I cannot physically function. I am never touching these substances again. And I am proud to say that May 1st of this year was seven full years clean for me. So I'm coming up Uh, on seven. Congratulations. Yes, thank thank you. It's been it's been a road. It's been a very long road, but nothing absolutely nothing can get me to go back to that. I lost my best friend. I actually 
almost exactly one year after my overdose, I got a phone call from my best friend. And I was in the middle of a family party. He asked if I can just go visit him. He was in recovery as well and just wanted a friend who he knows would steer him in the right direction to come and just be by his side because he was struggling yeah. with his mental health. I, um, I told him, I'll try to make it in the morning. I'm currently with my family. I'll call you when I wake up. In the morning when I woke up, I received a call from his fiance saying that he passed and that also that I was the last person he called before he reached out to the drug dealer. So that is a lot of guilt that I've had to overcome over the last seven years. And on top, and I have to say that I'm finally at a place where I accept that no matter what I could have done at that period of time in my life, I could have been, if I went to see him, both of us could have ended up dead. Because you never, you have two people early in addiction recovery that are both in a very vulnerable state. So I just need to remind myself that his decision has nothing to do with me. And that's a decision he made. And unfortunately, and heartbreakingly, he is not here today. But I will use my platform, I will use my voice, and I will use every bit of passion inside of me to help individuals who are struggling the same way he did. And thank you for um, sharing all that. Um, I like that. I love that you're open about your um, story. You know, guys, if you're listening, you know, he said he was doing drugs, you know, overdose, almost died, but he has a master's degree now. You know, he's a mental health advocate, you know. Yeah, he's on reality TV, but he's a mental health advocate, you know, master's degree. Like, look where he came from, a master's degree, you know. If you're out there struggling, you know, we're probably going through the same stuff he's going through, you know, he has a master's degree, like, you know, he got his life together and stuff like that, and I understand the whole losing friends, too, because I lost a friend, my friend Dante, um, died by suicide, should I say the correct term, died by suicide, um, I lost a friend recently, died by suicide, so I understand it hurts, you know, you, it's like, one of my friends, my friend Dante, I actually, um, Oh, before we still talk about this subject, I want to say anybody out there that's struggling with suicidal thoughts or just anything that you're going through, you know, there is a suicide prevention lifeline out there. You can call um, 988. That is the new number, easy number, guys, 988. Or if you look at, you know, get into therapy or, you know, um, find a support group out there. You know, I volunteer for NAMI Bus County PA and we, I'm a certified group facilitator runner, you know, run different type of groups, you know, so make sure you go out there, there's different resources out there, guys, but um, like I said, guys, if you're struggling with suicide, you thoughts of suicide, if you know anybody that's struggling, um, yeah, so like my friend Dante, I like wanted to, you know, I want to kill myself too, you know, and he was like, Leak, don't do that, you know, you many need it in this world, so when like years, years later, he you know, die by suicide, I broke my heart. I was like on the floor crying. I was like, damn, like not my friend that encouraged me 
to yes. keep going, to keep going. I'm just like, what the hell? It's just like it's still like I still struggle with it, you know. It's and, um, suicide is a very very touchy subject for me. Actually, um, if I'm gonna rewind further back in time, my first ever boyfriend was at 15, and I was literally like. I just started acknowledging that I'm bisexual to my one gay friend and he kind of set me up with a guy who we thought was cute and that we just get along very well because we were both on the wrestling team in high school. Um, we, were, we were at different schools actually, but we both wrestled. We um, just had a lot in common and we dated on and off until I was 17 and I saw him, I saw him one day, we linked up at the mall and he was just telling me how amazing he was doing in life. And two weeks later, I'm sitting in English class when I get a text from my best friend, Xavier saying, did you hear what happened to Kyle? Now, Kyle was just a fun time. So I thought he could have gotten into trouble. I thought something happened. Maybe, maybe he got into a little trouble. Maybe he got into a fight. Maybe, maybe it was good news because I knew he was actively applying to colleges. I asked what happened and he writes back to me. He shot himself in the chest. I literally, I stood up in the middle of English class without even pardoning myself. I went to the nurse's office because she, if I'm just keeping it real, she would let me leave school whenever I want, as long as I came back with a bagel for her. So I went and I told her (laughs) what was going on. And I told, I even said, I will buy you a bagel if you just let me leave. And she said, no, sweetie, just leave. It was, I have to say it was extremely traumatic because Looking back, I sat in my car for about two hours, completely dissociating, just thinking about trying to piece together why this would happen to me. And I'm somebody who, when I am triggered, I dissociate. I will not, what fights I've been in, etc. When I black out, I black out. And there have been times I have literally gotten into fist fights with people and I come to after it's already broken up when people are calming me down and I'm like, what has just happened? It's people, I feel like a lot of people do not understand that being triggered does not always have to be a giant outburst. It does not always need to look like you were triggered. Sometimes it can be something as small as somebody making a remark that reminds you of something Maybe somebody who's abused you verbally, physically, et cetera, has said to you in the past, and it's just something reminiscent of that. So it can trigger that memory and that memory triggers the emotion that's associated with it. And it's, I do believe we live in a society that looks at triggers as very black and white things. Either you're triggered and having a complete meltdown episode or you're completely fine. No, triggers are in a very, very gray area. Yeah, I'm, my trigger, I'm gonna say, um, so my story is basically, I love this mental health talk so far, so good. Um, my trigger is, uh, my story is like, I was sexually abused by two of my male cousins, right? So I have hard time 
being friends with males. It's hard for me to be feel comfortable around there. Sometimes I'm like, damn, why are you gay? And you, you know, like, I just have these triggers, whatever I think. So um, I with a, with a group of friends at a rooftop, you know, um, in Philly. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this out. Let me see if I can fit in, you know? Cause sometimes I feel like when my cousins did to me, they took my manhood away. I'm just like, let's see if I can fit in. Man, when I got on that rooftop, I was triggered. But my triggering was I stayed quiet. I was like in my phone playing the game. I really didn't really talk about nothing. Only thing I probably when they, only thing that interests me they was talk about. They had a conversation about weed, and it just interests me. But I just didn't do nothing. So I just think you said triggering triggers look different on everybody. Like yeah, everybody. I, listen, I was like even walking with them. I just was like oh, this is, I felt so. I feel like I told my friend. He felt bad. He was like, I feel like I got molested all over. I just felt very uncomfortable. I was at the roof. I was like, should I jump off this fucking roof? I was like, this is a lot. It was so triggering. Or like when I went to the beach um, last night with two of my friends, you know, two good friends that I, I'm real cool with, but I was triggered. And I just, like, I was, I was so rude. I turned my chair around, had my glasses on. I don't even wear sunglasses all day. Had them on all day. Wasn't really talking. I just was in my mood because I was triggered. But I sometimes, like, when people are triggered, they don't know how to, sometimes with me, I don't know how to communicate it the right way until after the trigger and stops. And I, I feel like that's something you just shouldn't beat yourself up about because I think that's everybody who experiences yeah. triggers because we are not. So the four responses to being triggered are fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So we are not thinking in our most logical, in our most rational in our most logic-based selves, we are thinking from a place of emotion. So when we're thinking from yeah. a place of emotion, we are not always going to operate at our best. And yeah. I will say that during the show, I think I did a tremendous job at being balanced between operating in my emotion and also operating in my <laughs> logic, just because it's entertainment. You need some emotion. And from me, I do think I am one of the more emotional ones. But if I'm going to backtrack to my, my sexual assault experience, I connected, I've been involved in martial arts since the age of three. I stopped when I was a teenager just because I thought having fun with my friends was more important. And I, so I met these two guys, we connected, I, I, I see, I don't want to give away too much just because it's going to come out on the show. And yeah. then I think we can even have a great follow-up talk after it comes out. Yeah. But two men, I actually had some trust for. I linked up with them and made it very clear that it was just a platonic friendly link up to smoke. And <laughs> next thing I know is I'm inside I'm drinking a cup of orange juice and I'm smoking and I just don't feel good. And I ask if I can lay down for a few minutes. And next thing I know is I'm waking up with one of them holding me down by my chest and yeah. the other one with my legs up trying to insert himself. And I think a good a good 30 seconds went by before the adrenaline kicked in. And I know that I was in fight or flight mode because 
whatever they gave me, they clearly did not dose it correctly. If my adrenaline was able to put me in a place where I was able to confront them and a physical altercation ensued. And I was able to, I was able to fight off two men that were both about 180 pounds. And I am, I'm 150 soaking wet. I'm 155. Like it's, I'm not a big dude. And it's, and there are people, there are people who like hear my story and they're like, that sounds like it came straight out of a movie. And I'm like thinking to myself, movies are based off of, a lot of movies are based off of real life. Like it's like thinking of, thinking about sexual assault. These depictions that we see in movies and on tv some are outlandish but even some of the outlandish ones still have a lot of accuracy to them because we are and even thinking about my situation you are much more likely to be and there's statistics on this you're much more likely to be assaulted by somebody you know than somebody that is a complete stranger And that's, so I have to say after that, I went celibate from men for five years and I just recently hit like, so it was about this time of year that the incident happened. So now it is six years and within the six years, actually, before I did the show within that five year and whatever change period. I was only with four men sexually within those was within my first year of opening myself up back to men because five years went by of complete celibacy. Then I met someone I had a lot of interest in, gave it a shot. And I do have to say that during all, during my times with all four of those sexual partners, fear and intimidation definitely set in at some points and there was actually one there was one guy I looked at and said can you just tell me one thing and he was like what I was like please tell me you were not gonna hurt me and I had to in order for me to engage with him I had to ask him that question and that's what made me realize how deeply rooted trauma is and how it becomes something so insidious and can really, I hate saying it, but fuck up our lives in so many different ways. I lost so many gay friends because I shut the entire community out. I, uh, uh, I, ne- I get it. I get that. I get I, that, bro. I, I understand what that, let me start right there. That part, man. I pushed a lot of people away because, like, I think I was looking at my cousins, what they did to me. So every man, no matter if it's gay or straight, I was like, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't need you. And even, like, in my life now, I'm trying to, like, work on male friendships and stuff like that. I was just saying to my friends, I was like, I, don't know, I really don't got that many male friends. I'm like, dang, you know, I probably never asked somebody would ask me to be their best man. I'm like, I don't really, because I don't have that many male friends and stuff like that, you know. And I want to encourage people out there, you know, that's like suffering signs. You know, a lot of people are coming out talking about sexual abuse. A lot of men. I, I love that there's more men talking about it. Um, I'm going to recommend a book to you, though. It's called Echoes. Let me see. I got it right here. Echoes. I don't know if you can see it. This is a good book. Oh, right? I've heard of Echoes. Oh, oh, I've heard of Echoes. I've actually read some snippets. 
I have um, a friend okay. who I have a friend who's read it and recommended it to me. I just haven't gotten around to reading it. Listen, bro. That book, listen, I've been I'm in it on a Facebook page, the Survivor Circle. It's nothing but gentlemen, man. I actually got mentors from out that group just like to talk to because I still struggle with a lot of stuff. So that book is man, it's trigger warning, just to let you know. It's, I had to read it, come back, I had to read it, come back. It's it's oof. I think that it's um when you said trigger warning, it's like I wonder if like because I I I have to say I you will see me air myself out on TV. I spill it. I spill it all. Yeah. And I'm like like thinking to myself like with the anticipation leading up to that episode I'm like, "Damn, I wonder if they're going to put a trigger warning in there because you will see I think you being very familiar with this, I think you will see the moment that a switch goes off in my head. Uh-huh. And you will see I am expressing myself as if I am actively in fight or flight. I am expressing myself as if I am just so deeply bothered by something. Yeah. So to set to segue into the show, um you're the first person hearing this. Um, production did not know it. Um, my castmates did not know it. But I was on Zoloft, um, the SSRI, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor, so the antidepre- an antidepressant. I was on Zoloft for about seven years. So from 19 to, ju- to 26 and a few months. And I got, I was originally on 200 milligrams, worked my way up from 50 to 200. And I just felt like there was a wet blanket over every single emotion I had, whether it was happiness, joy, sadness, anxiety. I just felt like I wasn't me anymore. So I went cold turkey off of Zoloft and I never told production that just because I do not know. Yeah, I never told production that. I did, I have to say this though, I tapered at home. I tapered down to 25 milligrams and it just got to the point where I was like, I can't go any lower. I have to go cold turkey. And for me, it it was a bit of a wild ride. It was just getting used to feeling everything so intensely again, but I would much rather feel my emotions the way I'm wired and be able to find natural ways of dealing with them rather than being a slave to a pill. Something that has helped me greatly is I've done some psychedelic therapy with mushrooms in particular and using them properly in therapy settings and not just saying to your homeboys, let's trip balls this weekend doing it in a professional setting makes a world of difference and it's the only way i've done it because it is something that i use for the medicinal properties it has so that helped me through the zoloft withdrawals and i have to say i do think that maybe maybe being so early in the stages of getting off of an antidepressant could have contributed to my anxiety going into this situation. Also, 
my emotions I was feeling so much more deeply. And the yeah. only reason I didn't tell production about me going cold turkey off of Zoloft is I just felt like it wasn't necessary because I did get myself back to a place yeah. where I was grounded. And for me, it's, it's medical. And the thing is not, <laughs> I didn't go on TV to share all my medical history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just did. But I'm, like, like, I understand. I went off my meds before, bro. And trust me, I was, oh, like my therapist always say, he suggests this, never go off your meds. He told me, Leaky, if you're going to take these meds, once you go off it, it can be a stream. And I was like, I got this, you know, but I went off and I was like emotional. I probably was crying like every other day. I'm just like, what is going on? You know, lo and behold, I forgot that I went off on my medicine. So um, before we end this, right, I want to end this off asking, what's next for you, man? You know, you got that degree, or are you going to do something? You know, that master, you know, that's that's years. <laughs> that's years. Yes, Ooh, I am. Um, so I am currently a health and wellness coach, and I've even done some life coaching and business coaching. Oh. But with health and wellness coaching, basically what I am is a therapist and a nutritionist combined in one for a much cheaper price so if you if there's anybody listening to this who would be interested in connecting I always make my first session free whether it is weight loss whether they are trying to find more positivity with their body I oh I'm all about body positivity and self-love whether it's someone just trying to clean up their diet a little bit focus on being less anxious, work through a struggle that they are working through. I make myself available to to anybody struggling. And I'm very transparent as to whether it is an obstacle or a quote unquote, because I hate using this word, a quote unquote issue that I can help them through. If I think somebody needs serious medical attention from an MD, a psychiatrist, I will... I will push them in that direction because I am not in the business of making money off people I can't help. It's um, I've helped. Pe- I primarily have worked with women from uh, women. I would say from the age range of eighteen to thirty-five who struggle with eating disorders. That is a demographic yeah. I've worked with a lot. And as you probably know. Eating disorders have a higher mortality rate than any other disorder, including depression. Yeah. And people associate suicide with depression, and I associate it more closely with eating disorders just because eating disorders are a co-occur. Eating disorders truly do occur co-occurringly with another disorder. It's something you rarely see isolated to itself. Even if it's body dysmorphia, mild anxiety, mild depression, you usually do not see an eating disorder isolated in a single case. That's true. So, and they, and, they, um, and I want to add something real quick. Um, the eating disorder, people forget that is a mental health condition. They like, oh my God, like, well, um, my um, Nami Bus County, I was telling them, like, I, somebody gave the idea of having a, um, body image group and everything. You know, people suffer from that. People totally forget about eating disorders, body image, body dysmorphia. They forget about that. And I just don't know. They um, really do. It's, you know what the thing is? I think because, so we, 
we live in a world that is now just becoming educated about mental health. And we also live in a world where we picture depressed people as looking like this. We picture anorexic people as looking like this. We picture people with, with schizophrenia as looking like this. We need to break those stigmas and we need to realize that nobody is invincible from any mental health disorder and the thing is it's because everything is on a spectrum someone who's depressed may stay in bed all day but somebody who's depressed may work 16 hours a day trying to avoid their problems at home it's any mental health disorder does not look the same in any specific individual because we need to account for human individuality, bio-individuality, biopsychosocial factors. As you know, there's no one single thing that leads to the onset or prognosis of any specific mental health disorder. Yeah. That's so true. Other, so other things I'm... So just to go, just to keep in line with your question, what other things I'm looking to do is So I've always wanted to earn a doctoral degree. Now, I know, I know. That's after the master's, right? That's after the master's, right? Either a PhD or a PsyD, or even a JD, if I could work in mental health care policymaking. I was accepted into a doctoral program for clinical psychology, but the price tag was hefty and I had to decline enrollment, but it is something I would eventually like to do. And I am really leaning towards, if I could, I would love to work with entertainers. I would absolutely love to work with people in the spotlight who struggle with their mental health and not because they're in the spotlight and now I'm in the spotlight just because after being in the industry, I do see how having all eyes on you at all times and having so much pressure on you can lead people towards developing or having a worsening mental health condition. It's even if it's just anxiety and it's it's something I would absolutely love to do. And on that note, I have to say this, while I was on set with the Zeus Network, they treated me absolutely amazingly. I was able to cry and spill my heart out to producers as they sat there and consoled me and reminded me that I am only human and that I can only be myself. And to have these people who you look at who are so quote unquote powerful, really be able to level with you and show you their humanity and show you how much they care about you. It made me fall in love with the people I was working with. I had breakdowns and people would check up on me like I was Uh, their child. And that does not go unnoticed by me. That does not go unappreciated. I did my best every single day to make the people who gave me an opportunity feel like I am truly grateful for each and every single one of them. And that's because I truly am. 
they yeah. are they are some of the sweetest most caring people i've seen in the entertainment industry and i am so happy to be a part of this network and i have one more question before we wrap up because i want to be respectful of your time but um you know we talk about mental health like who on your cast was like supportive about your mental health struggles so a lot of people not I'm going to say this to the viewers. A lot of people don't understand it. You know, I have friends that don't understand it, but now they understand it. Like you said, everybody's talking about mental health. Everybody's, you know, raising awareness. So, like, you know, I would like to know who, you know, was there for you. So, I have to say, everybody was supportive in their own way. And now everybody has, everyone looks at being supportive as a different thing. It's yeah. someone just saying, Hey, how someone may interpret them saying, Hey, how are you? As them being supportive, while someone else may consider them holding you when you cry as being supportive. There is no one single way of being supported, but I will say this everybody was supportive for the most part, but a few people who really. So, GAK Trizzy. Trizzy and I have had some of the most amazing conversations and he has, he's shared his truth with me as, as I've shared my truth with him. Um, Cameron, Cameron was an amazing shoulder to cry on. Cameron was somebody who showed me his soul and that is something I truly, truly appreciate. And then I have to say Cash and Jameson we're like the older brothers in a sense to me that I always needed, but never had. Now I will apologize to my biological older brother. He's absolutely amazing, but I always needed like a gay older brother. So <laughs> I would say every morning in that house, Jameson and Cash would both first thing in the morning, whenever they saw me, how are you? How are you feeling? and that and hug me good morning like that in and of itself that gesture is something that doesn't go unappreciated by me it's um it meant the world to me another person was um actually two more people i would say crush and rel crush okay. crush was so supportive of me stepping out of my anxiety and yeah. embracing the experience and even when we had our first phone call after the show he said to me he was like i want you to do one thing i want you to stop worrying i want you to stop being so anxious and rel i have to say if he would see me in like a state where i look anxious or i look upset he would ask me every time if i was okay or what was wrong um, the other guys, they were absolutely amazing too. These are just the guys I can recall moments with. Um, yeah. Overall, I would say we had an amazing group of guys and I truly, truly wish each and every one of them nothing but the best. I know not everything has aired yet. We haven't had our reunion yet. We don't yeah. know what shit's going to hit the fan, but where I stand with all of them right now they have my love. They all have my love. I want them to all make it. I want them to all live 
up to their wildest dreams. And I'm truly somebody who, like, I can approach everything from a place of love and light and a place of understanding, even when it comes to, like, I know people are obviously going to talk their shit when I have my moments, but I am never somebody who is not willing to have a conversation with somebody. I, we, we do not need to argue on Instagram, go back and forth and punch each other when we see each other that we don't have to, we can, we can have a conversation. If I find myself in the wrong, I can apologize. I am somebody who does not live in my pride. I can apologize when I am wrong. And I do know that there are also a lot of people on this cast who are the same way, who are willing to have a conversation, who are willing to not assume things. And I have to say, I'm very, very grateful for the group of guys I was with. That's good, man. That's good. I want to thank you for being a guest on here. Just open it up and, you know, just masters you know i wish you nothing but the best man thank you for being a guest on the mental health check-in my brother thank you so much absolutely thank you so much for having me i would love to do another um i would love to come on again even to do like a follow-up because i have to say that when my stuff airs i think you're gonna have some more questions and we're gonna be able to kind of get into the details more but On that note, I just want to say thank you again. I'm sending you and all your viewers love, light, positivity, and abundance. And I want anybody listening to this to know that I was a drug addict, college dropout at the age of 19, but also at the age of 19, I quit using drugs and I enrolled for the first time at New York University. I was able to graduate with my bachelor's and then go on to graduate at the top of my class from a master's program in psychology. No matter where you are from, no matter what you have been through, you can still make it. No matter how deep in the gutter you are, you can get out and you can live your wildest dreams. You can be whoever you want to be. Yes. And do not, hesit- do not hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram. It, my at is at RealMikeyB with two yeah. E's at the end. I would like to make myself a resource to anybody listening to this, even if you just need to vent to somebody. Man, that's so good, man. Um, I'm going to label this mental health check-in is part one and then we'll definitely will follow up with a part two after episode four is yeah after the episode four years we definitely will follow up man thank you again and this is a episode of mental health check-in with week thank you